Blog Talk Radio. Hello and good evening. Welcome to Fright Talk Live, September 10th, 2021. You're here with the Fright Talk guys. My name is Billy B. Jones, and I'm here with my brother by the name of... Nadim Tabsh. And we're the Fright Talk guys, and we want to talk to you about about some frightfully good stuff. If at any time during this live podcast you'd like to speak to us, there are a few options. The first is 347-539-5372. That's our phone line. The line again is 347-539-5372. And if you're a little shy and you prefer to inbox us with your questions, comments, and requests, you could do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com or frighttalkguys at gmail.com. Or go on to our Fright Talk Guys Instagram if you can, or in tabs, N-T-A-B-S-C-H, and DM us or comment. Place some love there and let us know what you think about our topic tonight. Tonight's topic is this. It's all about werewolves. It starts with a ferocious bite or something else. Then the full moon arrives. The changes begin. The origin of werewolves is quite fascinating. Sometimes werewolves are overlooked and are portrayed as beasts of burden for, for others, more popular beings. So we hope that you'll join us and enjoy this one hour of some exciting dialogue about the origins of werewolves. Nadim, how are you doing tonight when it comes to this topic, brother? Isn't this an awesome, awesome topic? I love this topic. And you know what, Billy? I was thinking about it. Out of all the shows we've done, we've been doing this for over a year now. All the shows Mm -hmm. we've done, 20-something hours recorded. uh, I'm a little surprised we haven't done this sooner. (laughs) To be honest. You know? Like, you would think werewolves. We would have done it sooner. But I'm really excited about this topic because werewolves have an urban legend element to it. They have a folklore element to it. And, you know, stories of werewolves can be uh, traced back to about the 1500s. Um, so it's really, really interesting. And I know uh, you and I were discussing before the show, we have just been slammed with questions coming up for this show and for this topic. And I think it's something that's piquing a lot of people's interest or that a lot of people have some form of um, questions or curiosities when it comes to werewolves. And so, Billy, let me ask you this question as we get started here. Do you feel that werewolves are overlooked somehow when it comes to the horror genre? Now, whether that be in books, film, do you feel that they are put aside or maybe not given the relevance that they may deserve? I do feel that sometimes they're overlooked, but when they're introduced, it seems like often the protagonists of this particular character, there are two origins in how they have come to, you know, to fruition. Either we get some backstory of them battling and being a beast of burden of another, another more superior being, as we said in our right. description, 
Or we get other individuals who succumb to it because they're dealing with some other flaw, human dignity or flaw, and somehow right. they go further into anguish by getting this extra ability, whether they are attacked or bitten and, or the full moon rises and their blood, their, their, their genetics encourages it, they become this super being and they go and slay. It's like they, it seems like they lose all sense of, of, of conscious, human conscious when it's time to like right. attack because once I'm a werewolf, yeah, I can transform, but do I have to go kill? And often they end up going to kill. They become these ultimate beasts that wants to attack man. And so much like any other animal or a wolf in the, mm-hmm. in, you know, in, in the woods, in the wild, you know, especially if they're in packs. So it reinforces that nature. And, and I think it's quite interesting because it's more the modern lore of werewolves that really reinforces this transformation aspect versus though, you know, the, the, the whole idea of transforming by the moon, that is, versus right. those that just transfer, you know, that, that transform through other reasons or means through the legends. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, and I agree with that. I mean, I think that um, a lot of shows and movies obviously focus on vampires. I feel like almost vampires are the go-to, right? Yeah. And then when we have this, but werewolves are almost historically as old or dated back almost as much as vampire stories are, right? Or where we get the legend from vampire stories. And so I know that I haven't heard of many vampire sightings, let's say that. Uh, But there are still people to this day that they claim that they have werewolf sightings. Mm-hmm. And there are a few stories that, that we researched that we will be sharing with you guys, but I just find it interesting. It's more of a, you see this, this creature through books, through film, through what you hear, through obviously Halloween and the, you know, the costumes for Halloween. But then when you see something like that in person, or people are saying that they see something like this in person, now it takes on a different element because now it just went from the pages of a book to real life. And there is something incredibly fascinating about that. And, you know, if you say, well, one person or two people, and it kind of goes back to the Bigfoot thing, right? Mm-hmm. You say, well, one person or two people saw it, then you kind of say, well, you know, maybe they're seeing things. But when you have a higher number of reports, you say, well, not everybody's seeing things. That's true. And, you know, Greek mythology has its early origins. I remember the story of Zeus um, and the gods. They all went to dinner at this great king, and I'm trying to remember the story. I can't remember his name, but there was a king, and he had a son. This king had a son. Um, and apparently the king thought, uh, in his infinite wisdom, that he would sacrifice the son and serve the son, the meat of the son, to the gods and Zeus. And as a result of that, when Zeus discovered that he had sacrificed his boy and made him the meal, Zeus was furious by that, and he transformed the, re- the, 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 the remaining sons and that man into wolves. And so it was like a curse to be, you know, so the early origins, even from the Greek mythology, reinforced the value that being a werewolf is a curse. It's nothing good. Right. And every other right. journey or, 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 or episode of that continues with that. There's even Nordic folklore that reinforces it as well. There's yeah. Germanic folklore that also. Yeah. When I was in college, I had the pleasure of studying an entire class on mythological creatures as an English major, and that we learned about a lot of these exciting aspects. But the werewolf was rare. It was mentioned, but it was, just like you said earlier, very glossed over. Right, and, right. And, and I wonder if that is because 
when you think of Frankenstein, when you think of Dracula, right? You know, Dracula has, you know, Vladimir the Impal, the 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 Impaler. Yeah. And then you have Frankenstein, which is a construct of science, right? Science Correct. fiction horror. So that kind of justifies that that possibly could have occurred, right? But the werewolf, because it's such an animal, it's almost akin to like Bigfoot. The only difference right. is Bigfoot has no origin in the historical, um, the histories of the past like werewolves do. Correct. So I thought that was Correct. very interesting that the werewolf has had such a an international um, hit or or, or, yeah. or even a miss in that case as far as being acknowledged. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm not sure why that is. I mean, definitely there's more historical research you can find on werewolves than you can on Frankenstein type. We know for, we say True. Frankenstein. I know it comes from the the book, but type creatures, right? I don't know why. It's almost as if, and tell me if you agree with this, Billy. It's mm-hmm. almost as if people are willing to believe that vampires are a possibility and werewolves are not. Yeah, I agree. I agree because vampires also, people, because vampires possess gifts that if we could be immortal would make us, it would be pretty cool to have. For instance, never to die, you know, under certain restrictions, being able to live forever and live among centuries and centuries as well. The idea that you have become super powerful, you have super strength beyond reproach and that aspect. And of course, you still have aspects of being human, right? And so versus being, you know, a werewolf, unfortunately, it only happens in seasonal. It only happens on occasion. It's kind of like a Hulk. It comes with rage or under certain conditions of nature. And so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't appeal, it doesn't have that appeal or attraction like being a vampire does. I will say one thing they both have in common, D, and that is this. It looks painful as hell to get either one or the other. I don't want to be bitten by a wolf. They have jaws that look like alligators. And right. then it doesn't look very fun to be tenderly touched in my sensitive spot like a neck or an arm to be bitten by a vampire. So both of them require bites of the traditional modern sort. The Correct. Only spreads the disease to become one, right? And so I thought that was pretty cool how they're so similar. And it's even cooler that, you know, stories like Underworld, movies like Underworld brought them together for battle. And that is this historic um, um, an awareness. You know, there's a story that I read. Um, you know, called, it's called the Epic of Gagamesh. It's an incredible yeah. Western story, actually, that is known from our Western, that it really starts with the, the legend of it, but there, it goes even deeper than that, because it really covers the idea, the early understandings of what it means to be a werewolf, and it starts from a female perspective. And so what we get today, though, has been so glamorized, and it looks painful. The transformation right. is so painful yeah. to be a werewolf. It looks painful. You lose clothes. You get naked. <laughs> like, there's all these things that, at least being a vampire, I think I got more advantage than I would be in a werewolf. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that makes sense. And it does, the, those transformations do look painful. I will say this, though. Um, in some of the stuff that I researched historically, the people who are accused of being werewolves and the same way people, the same way people were accused of being witches, uh, listeners, people were also accused of being werewolves. And yeah. a lot of them had this, a lot of them said things, not that they were bit by one, but that mm-hmm. they were given some sort of ointment from a witch or they were, they made a deal with the devil and the devil gave them 
wolf pelts, and this pelt would allow them to transform. So in the origin stories, it doesn't always start off with the bite when it comes to the werewolf. I think that through time, that's something that was maybe added because there's more of a vicious element to it. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. more of a, mm-hmm. I bit you, now you're a werewolf, easier to to kind of pass from, from one being to another. Uh, but yeah, I mean, both definitely look painful. The question, I guess the question is that we would have to ask ourselves is, what ability would we rather have? There is something I do not particularly like about being immortal. Mm. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I, there's something I definitely don't like about being immortal. But then again, as a werewolf, what is your end? Mm. Good point. And Nadim, as a historian, why is it that the Middle Ages seems to be the birthplace for these yeah. things? The Middle Ages right. were, you know, they were very interesting times, fascinating times, folks. If you ever get a chance to read some of the classics and read some of the historical works or even review artifacts of the periods, it, it, even superstitions that we have today emanated from these periods. And so as a result, it's funny how werewolves as well, I mean, you, you could like walk across Europe and you like spot a, a, a werewolf story here or there. And it's quite interesting how they reinforce that. And think about it, the story of American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought about it now. The American Werewolf is in London. <laughs> so we go over, there's so many metaphors with that, you know, we going to terrorize another country. I thought that was quite interesting to play on that idea. But the point is this, that we do have a lot of stories and there's a lot of history in the Middle Ages when it comes to this particular mythical creature. And we do call it mythical folks. Because, yes, like Nadine said, there are sightings of them, but yeah. there's, there's more myth to support them than there are, you know, facts and evidence like, like, like the other creatures that we, we mentioned previously. So this is right. it's pretty cool. And I have to say, thank you, Fright Squad. You know, Nadine, I came up with a name for our people here. Fright, Fright Squad. Squad people. I you love that. Fright Squad is, has been live and lit with us on our social media. We want to thank you for all your continued support. Not only before the show, but we appreciate that support afterwards as well. So do shoot us comments and post thoughts. We'd love to share them even after we discuss these subjects. And if you want to talk to us, since today is already a quarter of the hour, you can still talk to us at 347-539-5372. That line again is 347-539-5372. And I got, we got our inboxes open. You got everyday folks listening at gmail.com. You have FrightTalkGuys at gmail.com. And you also have Nadim's Instagrams that are open right now on his side with his N-Tabs, T-A-B-S-C-H. And Fright Talk Guys, look us up. Send us a message. And so, Nadim, I got one for you that I want to ask you. And this one came in from Rodney Danger. <laughs> Rodney Danger. Rodney, what a name, Rodney Danger. Rodney Danger. All right, Danger, Rodney. right? Can you talk a little about the fairy tales and wolves? Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? LOL. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that so fairy tales. When it comes to the big bad wolf, um, a lot of fairy tales are attributed to the Brothers Grimm or the yeah. Grimm fairy tales, which should obviously get credit for a lot of these things. Um, that's where the the element of, you know, where the the big bad wolf comes from, but it is derived from werewolves. 
right? So the original, the origins of werewolves and all that uh, comes from it. Now, the whole the whole idea, and this is where the fairy tale element comes in. The whole idea that werewolves can be killed by a silver bullet that comes from the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, in which they shoot down a bulletproof witch, but they use a silver bullet. So then from then, in that Brothers Grimm fairy tale, when they shoot down the bulletproof witch using the silver bullet and it works, then it transforms to other stories of where a silver bullet can kill a werewolf. That's where that comes from. In reference to the story of the big bad wolf, um, you know, you got the Little Red Riding Hood, you got the big bad wolf is in the forest, painted as a bad guy. Um but there is something, and, and I'm going to suggest, Rodney, for you to check this out. There's something called fractured fairy tales. Now, fractured fairy tales are fairy tales that give the perspective from the other individual that we know didn't have a voice in, in, the, in the literature. So, for example, mm-hmm. there's a fractured fairy tale about the big bad wolf and the three little pigs. And then the story is told from the perspective of the big bad wolf and how he explains that it was all a misunderstanding so hopefully rodney that was a little bit to, to satisfy some of that fairy taleness uh that you were looking for in reference to that but yeah billy they they you know three little pigs little red riding hood the wolf is always the one going after the prey in these stories in these fairy tales my 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 grandma what big great eyes you have better to see you with my dear and I mean, I'm thinking to myself, this poor wolf did all these things to people. This little girl that's roaming through the woods. First of all, she's roaming in the woods with a red, a red, a, a cape, a cloak, and she's carrying this basket. Damsel having a good time, and it it has, you know, there there's a whole um, psychoanalytical perspective to those stories. That folks, your minds will never be the same if you ever we took any of the stories that you know apart. And what Nadine said is true. You know, looking at it from the animal's point of view, it's almost like making these beasts the anti-hero. In many of right. the cases, we see that in plays like the Wicked, like Wicked, where the, the witch from Oz gets her voice or point of view. We see that in Maleficent in the second one as well. And we also see that in Beowulf and Grendel, when Grendel, the monster that attacks Beowulf as right. well. I think that's a great spin. And I think that's a great way to go, folks. And maybe werewolves could be that next space where that works out. Thank you for that recommendation, Nadeem. I definitely will check that out. Yeah, fantastic. We have – I have a question here for you, Billy. Okay. And this comes from Myron. Myron says – and you mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. An American Werewolf in London. Classic. This is from social media. So I take it <laughs> Myron likes American Werewolf in London. Now – Billy, in the American Werewolf in London, let, let me ask you this. You also saw, I'm going to assume, an American Werewolf in Paris. Oh, I love that one even better. Which I was going to ask you, which one did you like more and why? I'll tell you why. American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf, okay. American Werewolf in Paris was almost like, a, it was clearly a parody to American Werewolf in London. But it had its campy, fun, horror kind of tone to it. Whereas in American Werewolf, it was very dark, it was very sad, it was very painful. That transformation, oh my gosh, that was like the most gruesome transformation I've ever seen of a wolf. And in, in my early years, I don't, can't recall anything worse than that, okay? Two, I think the storyline, because of when it was based and where it was based, it made being in Europe, it, gave, it, it had a lot of like, you know, American 
you know, cultural imperialism of America coming in, American man coming there with the problems, the victims, the ghosts of the victims coming. So I could see how America World from Paris played off of that. But it really played into like this whole supernatural idea, not only the inner werewolf, but also the supernatural, the dead taunting the man who couldn't right. stop the beast within. So it was very clever concept, but I just liked the, the, the American Wolf in Paris better because it had a very unique story. It had a happy ending as well. No spoilers True. here tonight, I promise, folks. And it just gave another perspective of that story that I'd appreciate. And it also gave it a, a younger voice too, a younger image for its time. It, it was more current. It was more current. Yeah. Yeah. I like the original one a little better only because I like the darkness to it. That whole idea that oh, you like you're, it? You're, you're, you're going through, like you're backpacking through Europe or England uh, or whatever the case yeah. is, but you find yourself in a desolate road or off the field. So there was a, a campy darkness to it that I like. I do agree with you though, that, the American Werewolf in Paris, because it was much more updated and much more current, mm-hmm. uh, it was able to do just a little bit more than what the original film could, was able to do. Yeah. Yep. And I love the fact that American Werewolf in Paris, there's one other thing I just remember, that when they get, went to the club, the, the European werewolves wanted to feast on American tourists. I thought that was so clever. Right. And they were like, oh, we love Americans. They have such great tastes. You know, I remember him saying yeah. that at one point. And so it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. It also creeped me out a bit. Um, it really gave like the European image because you know, being you know, being from Europe, it, there's so many exciting, beautiful places. It's also being European also is highly sexualized. I think sometimes in the world too. So it yeah. offered all these other aspects that I guess I didn't get in the American world in London. I will say this final thing on that. At Amer- at Halloween Horror Night, the American world in London haunted house was so boring. Because the storyline is so good that when it's time to make it into an attraction, it just lost its touch. Because people, if you didn't watch the movie, then you don't get it. Like, I appreciated it. But I remember everyone coming out and saying, this is so boring, this is so boring. Kind of like how they felt with The Exorcist, too. But it was one of those Mm -hmm. things where I felt, well, you have to know the story to appreciate it, to understand what you experienced back there in those scenes. Just a thought. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense, though, because sometimes they don't translate successfully to, to live events. Yeah, that's true. It's true. But I got one for you, Nadine. Priscilla reminded me of one of her classics, Monster Squad. Oh. <laughs> Priscilla, oh my gosh. you're somebody speaking to my heart. I love the Monster Squad movie. Yes, it was a great movie. movie. Oh, my goodness. And let me say this. So it was campy, but it was supposed to be. It was so underrated. I have it on DVD because years ago it came out on DVD. And I was like, oh, okay, now it's on DVD. It's no longer on VHS. I can actually watch it again. Priscilla, thank you for that. I love the Monster Squad movie. And there's other 80s movies that were campy with Werewolf. Because with the Werewolf, you can go scary or you can go campy, right? So there's an 80s movie called My Mom's a Werewolf. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. It was, I, it was, I thought it was hysterical. Again, <laughs> if you're watching it, you're not looking for anything, you know, Nothing Oscar-worthy, of course, but then again, what is? Uh, but I think, Priscilla, thank you so much. Monster Squad, what a role in the past, but what a great film. I recommend people to watch it, and it had all the good monsters in it. It wasn't just yes, the it one. Yes, it did. You know another one from that era? Remember the movie Saturday the 14th? That's another scary one where there were these family moved into this house, and Friday the 13th was one day, but on Saturday the 14th, the monsters, the different iconic monsters – 
came out to like try to take over the family. It's campy like too. It's, it's okay. in the same vein as a Monster Squad, but it's, it's, it, it revolves around a family. It was called Saturday the 14th. And so both of those movies, folks, iconic and it explains why we get some of the gems that we get today on Netflix that play off the idea of the kids, you know, like the classic Goonies and all that. When you get these kids right. being young, being in situations and stumbling upon things that not even mankind, humankind or adult kind can deal with. And being the victors in the process, you know, so innocence wins. Definitely a great reminiscing moment there, Priscilla, and thank you for your support. Awesome, Priscilla. Thank you so much. Got one here, Billy, for you from Chris. Chris says, Ginger Snaps, Van Helsing. A great TV show, Being Human, an American version, was excellent. A ghost, a werewolf, a vampire live together. Now, I I do remember Ginger Snaps. There was a Mm -hmm. couple Van Helsings. There's a more modern one. There's a Van Helsing mm-hmm. animation. Uh, so I'm not sure which one she's uh, or he is talking about specifically. But um, Ginger Snaps, I like Ginger Snaps. It was a yeah, classic horror movie, right? I liked it. I thought it was cool. What did you think, Billy? Oh, my gosh. I, did, I think it was like a one and a two. They were like Correct. different yeah. ones. And yeah. I thought it was so iconic. And when Ginger snaps, folks, you definitely, I got to I gotta look for that one. That was a good recommendation, Chris. Thank you for that. I will say I about Van Helsing, here. though. The guy who played Wolverine, what was his name from the original X-Men? He played Van Helsing in the first one. What was his name? I forgot Wait, his name. But he- uh, the, the Hugh Jackson? Yeah, wasn't he Van Helsing in the first what? one? I think he was Van Helsing. He and, might, and yes, so, it probably was. That version, and then the girl who, the lady who played in Evolution and in, in, in Underworld was the other lady. She was like a sidekick or oh, yeah. vampires. And so, great movie. I thought, funny enough, though, I got to say this about werewolves in those movies. <laughs> it worked, but then you had the vampires that were still prevailing. Like, there was still this yeah. battle here that played into yeah. that idea. And I would also say from the, a graphic standpoint, like for special effects, when I saw the, the vampires look more realistic and convincing than the werewolves did for some reason mm. in, in that regard. I felt like the vampires looked more convincing. They looked, I mean, they looked almost gargoyle-like when they were flying in, in, in flight, you know, or like really bad, ugly witches. I thought it was super cool. Now, the one that Chris mentioned about um, being human, I've heard of that. I think that is a clever idea, actually. A ghost, yeah. a wolf, and a vampire living together. That is a great idea, actually, and I definitely need to check it out. I haven't seen it, but thank you for the recommendation, Chris, nonetheless. Yeah, I thought that, that that's a – I haven't seen Being Human, but the concept seems very interesting, right, when you got these three different types of entities living together. You know, also, Billy, I think that when it comes to film – Vampires are a little easier to do. You know, old school uh, werewolves were done with makeup. A lot of times now they use the CGI, which to me, I prefer the old school stuff, right? Because it looks just a little bit more realistic. But yeah, I I definitely agree with you on that. I definitely think that sometimes uh, the, the vampires look just a little bit more realistic in the films. Yeah, they do. And I will also add even, why is it though, Nadine, the werewolves, if I'm going to be human and I'm going to transfer into a werewolf, why do I have to become like this super size, like eight foot thing? Like it, <laughs> I guess they become so beast, like, like huge, right. like great. I mean, taller, like, like Shaq size, like even bigger. 
And so I think that's so interesting that they do that. And here's something else I noticed about werewolves over the years. When a woman transforms to werewolf, why am I always expecting her to be like some cute werewolf with like white ears, white, <laughs> white fur and pink ears and pink eyes? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right, I want her almost like to make her effeminate. Like, no, she can't be. She has to be a good wolf. She has to be a good wolf. Wait a minute. No, if she has the same issues as the others do and they want to be savages, right. then she right. might just be a prettier version because she's lighter. So there's all this colorism that goes on it when it comes to distinguishing a male wolf from a female. But I do like, I will say this, True Blood. Do you remember the show True Blood on yeah. HBO? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and it's based on the Sookie Stockhouse Chronicles. When the werewolves come in, you know, the wolves, I thought that idea of wolves versus vampires was great and how they rolled in packs. You know, that I thought it was super cool how they played into that. And then the love affair between the two. You know, you had a fairy that loved the vampire and also werewolf. I mean, could you not get any more twisted than that? So I thought it was super cool to see the werewolves, even how they, in their human form, they seem to be able to control, though, their right. abilities, which I thought was super cool. It's, it's one thing that you can't control and you start killing. It's another thing that they're fully aware of what they're doing when they're those animals. Correct. And they're okay with it. I thought that was a better play on the the, the legend for me at least. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, uh, Chris, I thank you for the recommendation of being human. I'm going to check it out. Now I'm going to give you one. There's a show called The Order on Netflix. There's two seasons mm-hmm. of it out. It is a werewolf show. Check it out if you if you dig werewolves. It's check good. it out. It is. <laughs> it's really good. You see, Chris. You know, see, you keep giving us homework to do and the Priscilla's and everyone. This is why we can't get our work done, okay? Because there's so <laughs> much good stuff to watch. And, folks, you know what time of year it is. It's like the perfect time to watch. The weather, you know, in another week we'll be in fall. Not that we'll get any leaves changing down here in South Florida. But the fact is, it's that time of year where we can really celebrate and really wrap up to a good book. I hope it rains one night or in the weekend so I can have a good scary book or a scary movie on my iPad or television and just be enraptured in a scary moment. It's just super cool. And folks, it is a half hour and it is time for you to talk to us. So if you want to still chat, you may do so at 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And you can continue to send in your questions, comments, and requests to the following options, which are everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com, frighttalkguys at gmail.com, or frighttalkguys on Instagram or N-T-A-B-S-C-H on Instagram. All right, Billy, we got to, we got to, I just realized that we're halfway through the show. We got a a slew of questions we got to go through here. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. Question for you, Billy, from Roger. Roger says, shape-shifting is a serious component of modern werewolf films. Hmm. Do you think there's a reason for this? I think so, yeah, because we have to have the connection of what it means to be human before we become superhuman, okay? And also, even when there's these – whatever these individuals – you know, I'm going to speak on the werewolf because I know we're talking about this topic later in the future show, but for werewolves – it's nice to distinguish that for once when you become a werewolf, you can have the upper hand and scare humanity, even the baddest of humanity. Okay. And I think that's why that, that offers that opportunity from a werewolf perspective. It helps reinforce the superior nature that sometimes man, humankind, let me start saying man, but humankind wants to own in order to get vengeance or, or justice. So it helps reinforce that, 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 that conflict, that, that opportunity. But at the end of the day, Sometimes I've seen the demon in some of these werewolf cases. 
they don't remember what happened when they were werewolves, and they yeah. end up naked in the street somewhere and right, blood bloody, and, you yeah. know things like that. Or they're in some cases they're fully aware and they have to live with them in the misery sometimes with this extraordinary gift. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Roger, when it comes to the shape shape shifting, this is something that. I mean, it, it's it's part of the transformation process, right? You're not going to go – it's just not enough for somebody to grow hair. It's just not enough. They need to go through the full transformation because they're literally going from man to beast. And so because they're going from man to beast, they are shape-shifting. And there is a connection, a solid connection between those two things. Thank you, Roger, for your question. That's a really good question. Yeah. And here's a Stacy comment, actually. Stacy writes to us, um, you know, I remember The Howling from the 80s. Let's talk about that for a moment. Great film. You should check it out. Do you remember The Howling? I don't remember. Do you? Oh, yes. I watched that. It's another in that same era of my early introductions to horror as it relates to to werewolves. The Howling was the storyline. I'm trying to remember parts of it. There was a lady. It revolved around this lady. She was a protagonist. And people in the town, there was this werewolf, this guy who wanted her. She was also, she wanted to go and tell, I think she was a, 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 a news anchor or something. And so there was all these people getting bitten and they were transforming. And I remember at the very end, she finally, she was, a, she apparently got, had gotten bitten and she ended up transforming because it was a full moon and it happened on live television. And it was like, and she turned, like I said, into a pretty white werewolf. She was pretty. And she was like, there was a tear in her werewolf eye. You know, it was it was horror. It wasn't campy, but it was kind of not. I'm thinking about it. Very cliche. It was a really cool film. It is dark. It's not meant to be funny. It's not campy. It definitely is one that people often forget, Stacey. And I'm pre- I appreciate you reminding us of it because it could actually get lost under the um, under the guises of the others that we mentioned previously. Yeah, I want to check it out. And now is a good time, Billy. You mentioned before, it's fall. So a lot of the streaming platforms like Hulu and, you know, Netflix and even HBO, they're coming out because the closer we get to October, the more even the classic horror movies or more horror movies that are classics, but we saw them in the 70s and the 80s, those are coming out again. And I think it's always good to rewatch them. I didn't, I don't recall The Howling, but I definitely want to check it out. Anything scary is most definitely... uh, my speed. And it is. Hold on one second. Just before your question, I want to tell you there's a Howling 1, a Howling 2, and I think there's a third. Really? Yeah, there's like two or three, yeah. And these are 80s films, correct? Yeah, they're 80s, late 80s, and barely scratching 90s. Got you. I have a question here for you from Pedro. Pedro has said, no one has commented on Teen Wolf. Great (laughs) memories. Thank you, Pedro. Teen Wolf. Now, I remember I loved Teen Wolf Part 1. I wasn't crazy about Part 2. But Part 1, oh my God, how can you not like Part 1? It is the essence of 80s. What do you think about that, Billy? And also, I want to know, Billy, have you seen the show? Because I haven't. Uh, you talk about the modern show? I've seen clips of the I've modern. not watched it online. I've seen like little clips or episodes that appear in my YouTube um, you know, recommendations. And then, of course, I click on it because it says something with a wolf in it. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> and there's even a gay storyline. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's a gay storyline in there as well, too. Now, not necessarily, I don't know if it's with the wolf or not, because I don't know the storyline for the modern version, but I know it's going on there. I think it's super interesting. I will say, though, with Teen Wolf, that's the one with Michael J. Fox, right? 
And that was the one when yeah. he was he was in high school, I think. And Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of cool, especially when he transformed. He went and played in that game. He played basketball, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, he played basketball, like, yeah. I, at one, he made being a werewolf look pretty cool, actually. Like, that looked pretty cool. Like, he made it yeah. cool. Definitely fun. For those of you who are not into, um, you don't want anything horrific. We get it. Horror, horror is not everybody's taste, but there are different degrees of horror, right? And so I think that movie would also be a great one for anyone to watch with family and just enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it is, right, it's not like a scary movie or, I, I mean, I yeah. don't even a scary movie, uh, but I thought it was great. Teen Wolf 2 is like, I think he does boxing maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. It's with the same actor from um, Ozarks. Forgot his oh. name. Oh, um, I know you're talking about. Oh my right. gosh, yeah. And so, yeah. um, I um, I I liked the Teen Wolf. I didn't care for the second one, uh, only because I felt it wasn't as good as the first. And I never have seen the modern Teen Wolf show. But if you're saying that there's a gay werewolf in it, I mean that sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> I, I, I could be wrong, but I remember like watching because it was like some storyline, or maybe someone took all the scenes and they montage it to make it look like it was more than it really was. You know how that works with some of these YouTube Right. And so, right. but I, I, I don't know, like definitely something to think about. So if any of you watched it, you can give us the spoilers. We'll take your word for it. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Sadine, here's one from Tina. Tina says, my grandmother claims our family has a history of werewolves in it. We're of Nordic background. Have you guys come across some weird spooky stuff about your family's lineage? Hmm, interesting. All right, so, Tina, first of all, I want to address the Nordic part. So, werewolves actually show up in Nordic folklore, um, the the saga of the Volsings, and then mm-hmm. that, that saga tells a story of the father and son, and they discover mm-hmm. wolf pelts, and those wolf pelts turn people into wolves for 10 days. So, the father and son, they, they don these pelts, and they transform into wolves in the forest and go on a killing rampage. And that's a, that's a Nordic folklore, so I just wanted to kind of drop that in there uh, for Tina. That's thing one. Thing two. Tina, um, spooky stuff about my family's lineage. So, let me say this. Uh, you know, my mother is Cuban. My father's Lebanese, which is Middle Eastern. And there's always mysticism to Middle Eastern things, if you're if you're familiar with the mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a whole slew of things, to be honest with you, Tina. We'd probably have to have a whole show just for that um, in reference to cultural li- uh, things in the lineage. Now, family lineage, um, I, I do not doubt that some people say, well, I have some sort of werewolf lineage or anything like that in, in, mm-hmm. my, in their back. And for me, in my background in particular, uh, I don't know, only because my history can only go back so far because a lot of people have passed on, right? So, mm-hmm. so for me, it's a, it's a question mark, to be honest with you, Tina. Billy, what about for you? Are you am, I, am I co-hosting right now with a vampire and I don't know it? And if so, yeah. we need to clean this up some. <laughs> so I have to tell you, I think the only thing that we say in our family is that we have folks who are like these familiars who can sense that, like they they can sense things yeah. Yeah. and feel things, almost like mediums in that sense. Um, not that we can conjure things and become witches and things like that, but it was in our distant family, not recent family, 
um, known that it was practiced or at least considered by some of the distant family members. And that was brought in by the origins. You know, I, I, like Nadim, I come from, I have these dueling realities here. So I'm speaking more on the Jones side of the Native American influences of our family and what those cultures brought when it was mixed with the African. And so that brought in these very interesting spiritual connected um, realities. Um, I think that's the only thing that I could say but nothing that's come up that I can say that's very any, anything like what you have, Tina. And Tina, if you're willing to share more than what you've already shared, we'd be happy to chat. That was a very interesting comment. Absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you, Tina. We appreciate it. All right, Billy, I have a question here from Janice. I enjoyed watching The American Werewolf in London. Have you seen it? What's your take on the movie? So we already discussed that one, but I still wanted Janice to know that we did not ignore her question. Mm-hmm. That was answered early on. Here's another one from Tennessee. Tennessee says, becoming a, a werewolf looks painful. Do you agree? Yes. <laughs> Listen, in fact, let me say, it looks so painful. Like, it, uh, I don't even know how to describe the pain, because every time they do it, the guy's like, oh, like there's all, like, oh, like there's all these. Your bones noises. are breaking or readapting. Bones are breaking and he's yeah. cracking. And then all of a sudden there's the, oh, there's the howl. And there he is, and then eventually he goes out, he does his damage or wherever he's at, or she, and then they wake up naked <laughs> wherever they're at. And so I think that it looks extremely painful. Now, in Underworld, I mean, it seemed like everyone who was a werewolf in there was, like, super hot. Like, oh, oh my gosh. It's like they couldn't wait to take off their clothes and, like, <laughs> like, they're, like, transforming. And it was like, okay, now this is crazy. There were always, like, these deep old guys that you see at the gym are always on their game and they're like don't don't mess with their weight benches don't mess with their their dumbbells their barbells and free weights don't mess with them because they all look extra cut so when they become these werewolves it's no surprise that the werewolf has an eight pack because they had an eight pack when they were human so so it was very interesting to see that dynamic play out but it does look painful no pain no gain i guess (laughs) yeah i mean listen i here, here's my thought. First of all, yes, it absolutely looks painful because you got the bones breaking and all that. I guess my question would be, would it still be worth it, though? I mm. mean, you do get to, to be part animal. You do – you are, you know, stronger, bigger. You're now in the, the, the supernatural realm, right? So the question is, yes, it's painful, but is it worth it? I don't know. Um, I guess it Listen, depends on how you look at the legend or the myth. Yeah, Nadine, that's a good point. Like, what are the benefits? Let's, right. let's weigh them. Right. Okay. Like, this legend, people are scared of you. People are scared I don't even of you. know I mean, how long this werewolf seems to last because if there's a moon, the moon, the full moon when it happens average every 30 days, and it's not that much, so you really can't get much out of that. Um, you get to walk around naked in the woods, and that's always a plus. You get to walk around naked. Yeah. And you know, as you think about it, I don't think there's much more that you the benefits more the advantages outweigh the benefits. Well, you become stronger, you become faster, right? But you also, it's like you mentioned before, you also don't necessarily have your wits about you. You're right. as the story goes, you're just some sort of rampage, you know, wolf machine. Like if I could be a werewolf when I'm getting ready to work out, maybe I'll get more out of the workout. But it right, seems like it right. always seems to happen at times that it is of least value to a human. So, <laughs> so right, the benefits right. really outweigh which, uh, okay, but you know what, though? 
I'm also basing that on what I've watched more than what I've read. I haven't read that much werewolf stuff. And if I did, the werewolf was always the antagonist. So I, I can't say, you know, I, yes, like Lydine said, I have a Grimm's fairy tale, the Grimm tales here on my shelf here at home, but the stories don't give that highlight. It doesn't celebrate being a wolf. And so I think we get that reinforcing of what we see in films kind of plays into that as well. It's treated like any other animal. It's an animal. Because once you're a werewolf, you're no longer human-like. You're just super-sized right. human-like wolf. With that, it's, that's bipedal, you know? So, right. And some are and some aren't because some can walk around. <laughs> and then right. others, yeah. you know, they stomp around, I should say. And others can actually transform into a wolf. Like I saw in True Blood, they actually became a wolf like on four legs and they would run around and do things. In Hotel Transylvania, that poor wolf had like 20 cubs. cubs. <laughs> he couldn't get no sleep. I felt so bad for that werewolf. <laughs> I really did. I, I like that poor wolf. <laughs> hey, Dean, got one for you. This is from Unknown. It says, the 15th century had a share of werewolf stories, like this guy named Peter Stubb in Germany. Legend yeah. has it that he turned into a wolf and devour people. Well, do you believe in legends? Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm slightly familiar with the story of Peter Stubb. He lived like on the outskirts of Germany. There's some sort of turmoil in the country. And he was like off into the woods. Okay. And eventually there was, people said that they, there were some killings of like some kids and like a pregnant woman or whatever. And then some of the townspeople saw a wolf. So they go hunting, and then they see this Peter Stubbs guy, and they find him. They they follow a wolf, and then eventually they come across this Peter Stubbs guy, who I believe was naked, and so they torture him until he admits he's a wolf, and then they kill him. Um, and then, then he admits, he says he made a deal with the devil, um, and I believe the, the deal with the devil, he said the devil gave him a wolf pelt so he can transform into a werewolf, and that he had confessed to killing a bunch of people. Mm. And I believe in legends. I do. So um, there is um, there is something about legends that at some point, not all of them, but a lot of them had a ring of truth to them. That's, legends come from somewhere. Whether they come from someone's mind based upon mm-hmm. experiences they've had or things that they've heard, um, you know, there's that aspect to it. But yes, and there's a um, there is a famous cowboy movie, and in it they they talk about you know um, I believe it's when the when the story becomes legend, print the legend, mm-hmm. right? So that's how legends become popular, and they spread from one mm. person to another, and and sometimes they get too big that you can't even control. Do I believe in legends? I do believe in legends. However, I believe in myths more than I believe in legends. What about you, Billy? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with that. I, I believe in myth more than legends. I mean, because also, too, like the legend of Pumpkinhead. Let's go to another. Do you remember that movie, right. Pumpkinhead? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Pumpkinhead was a legend, you know, and, yeah. it, and, and people, but he was also brought back to life under certain conditions, right? I feel that what happens with some legends is that they have to be conjured or summoned back to right. actually, like, they have to have a reason, like the curse continues when they're summoned you know like like the legend of bloody mary the legend of slender man the legend of a werewolf 
they, you know, although werewolves also are also mythological, as we've discussed earlier, so they they teeter, they're, they're very teetering on the fence of both worlds there. Um, I think the legends have a summoning factor. They have to be brought with reason and often triggered by mankind or nature as a result. Mm-hmm. And so okay. um, um, I, I love the fact that that Peter stuff, I didn't know that story, though. That was super interesting. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know about that. That's super cool. Uh, I have a question here for you, Billy, from Primrose66. Have you guys heard of any werewolf sightings? I hear of Bigfoot and other strange creature sightings, but not enough of werewolf sightings. So I have heard of some raccoon sightings in the Dean's yard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they're lycanthropic. You know, maybe there are. But but I will tell you, (laughs) I have not heard. No, that's. hmm. See, that's where it gets confusing. Because when people start seeing things, they immediately dismiss it as Bigfoot because yes. of the size yes. and and the fact that it's bipedal. I don't know. I, I don't know how to even respond to that. It's a very good question. What do you think? Well, I did look up some stories because I wanted to to see. I, I do know that there was the the issue was that you hear a lot of werewolf sightings, but from way like you know many years before. But actually, okay. I was able to stumble across a few werewolf sightings from the 2000s. And uh, there's one in particular, and I remember I remember hearing about this location, um, and I remember seeing, I believe, a documentary about this location. And this is in Wisconsin, in a place called Bray Road. And this is from 2004. It's a 45-year-old registered nurse from Greendale and her 14-year-old daughter and the daughter's friend who's also 14. They saw what definitely what they would destru- define as a wolfman or dogman. In Bray, um, while they were driving down Bray Road, so they they essentially drove down this road because it looked, I guess, kind of scary to them, and they wanted to show the the friend of the daughter to, I guess, they were trying to scare him. Um, so they arrived at about 8:30, and they drove up mm-hmm. and down the road a few times, and they drove around Bowers Road and back into Bray Road, and mm-hmm. driving slowly under the speed limit. Uh, then they say something popped out about two miles down the road. Uh, heading toward, uh, I believe, a street called Elkhorn, mm-hmm. and it stepped out of the out of the cornfield, and it looked aggressive, and it screamed very loud, and so of course the the mother puts her you know foot on the gas, and she speeds away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creature was you know pretty powerful and was you know covered in fur, looked heavy, um, you know all of this stuff looked like it was seven foot tall, very muscular but the eyes almost looked human. And there was a, a moment where there was like a standoff between them where they're just looking at each other, which is obviously really? very, uh, yes, very scary. Ooh. I have heard of werewolf sightings on Bray Road. Now, the particular uh, stories I heard from before was that this area in Wisconsin, I believe, was some sort of way before Native American mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, grounds. And so the stories come from that Native American that it is believed that because they were Native American grounds before that there may be some sort of mythological wolfman, werewolf creature hanging out. But there are a few stories of sightings on Bray Road, not just one in Wisconsin So and in the 2000s. So I thought that was interesting to mention. That is a very good story. And that was a great question, actually. You know, I, I, I didn't know much about those, those sightings and – 
we had sightings as early as two decades ago. That's pretty awesome. I have to look that up. Right. Thank you, Primrose and Nadim. That was really good. Yeah. Wow. We have. Let's see, we have, you have how many more you have on your side? I think did I count? I, have I think I got them all. Three in, more on you, my you side. have a couple. I have three more. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Oh, Dennis says I'm still frightened, and I loved the movie Silver Bullet. It's certainly a classic. Have you seen this movie? I think that's the movie with. Um, Maybe it's Gary Busey, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It could be Gary. I think it's it the is. movie with Gary Busey. Is it? Okay, I yeah. think it's the movie with Gary Busey and maybe Corey Haim. I saw it once mm-hmm. a long time ago. I remember liking it. Uh, truth is, I saw it so long ago, I wouldn't be able to tell you the details about it. Vague things, but, I mean, I I do remember liking it. But, you know, these are one of the things, Dennis, about the show, that people write in these awesome – the Fright Squad, as Billy calls them – Right in the awesome questions and all these recommendations of these great things that we've forgotten about that we are like, now we want to see it again. So, Billy, do you remember the movie Silver Bullet? I do. Only parts of it. And, it, it you know, the storyline, I think Corey Haim or the boy, there was a boy and he had some kind of disability. I don't think he could walk. He had some kind of bike or something that allowed him to get around. He couldn't move his bottom legs, like his legs. He's kind of like paralyzed. And so he there was this guy that was in a town that clearly was like some weirdo that ended up kind of being the wolf and he ended up trying to prey on their family. And he, there was one scene I remember in the movie where he was pedaling on his, that bike thing that he used to get around and he was, you know, and the wolf was upon him and he was able to get home safely and sound. So he was the star and they ended up stopping this guy with the silver bullet, obviously. And so the, 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 I think it was a cop or the sheriff or something. So it had all those cliche things, but it was, a, I, I remember it in parts. And I remember there being a boy who was the protagonist who actually, he didn't actually, I don't remember him shooting the wolf, but I do remember the wolf dying, that man, this weird guy dying because of it. Cause he wanted to feed on that boy, I guess. It, somehow he had some fascination with this boy. Really, yeah. really interesting movie, but not one that I could recall, you know, very, very vividly. Yeah, I gotta. I, I want to rewatch it now. <laughs> All right, Billy, got one from Mex. Have you talked? Have um, you have to talk about Underworld, the battle between the Lycans? Ooh, and he spelled it correctly: L Y C A O N S. The Lycans <laughs> and the Vampires is awesome. Have you seen the franchise? Uh, yeah. Every single one, <laughs> and loved it. I love Celine. I love her role. I love the woman, Kate Blanchett. Is that her name? Who played her? Mm-hmm. And she is stunning. She's gorgeous. She's badass. And I love it. And the storyline is great. I love the colors. You know, the Dean, you look yeah. at colors and tone. That movie plays very nicely of dark colors and grays and greens and dark, dark, really blues and blacks to reinforce the mysticism of the underworld. I thought it yeah. was super cool. Yes, the vampires versus the lichens. The storyline is very engaging as well. You don't know who to trust. And then when they, become, when they begin to create hybrids of themselves, have vampire, that, that was like a great matchup. I thought it was super cool and neat to see that come in. I would say the first one is my favorite. The first and second one were my favorite. By the time I got to that third one, when they're going like this, this, this prequel thing going on, they're going yeah, to the village right. and to see why the vampires and what the werewolves did to each other. Don't know if I was so in, in. I didn't know if I enjoyed that as much as I did the first two episodes. Yeah, I, I did like all three. I think the first one was the better of the movies, 
but you're right about the tones. There's a coldness to it, to the tones mm-hmm. that they use, which just kind of added, it was like an icy chill to it, right? So I really enjoyed the movies. I thought that the storylines were amazing. I liked the graphics that they used for the Lycans specifically. I thought that that was great. And mm-hmm. again, just a great series. And I'm so glad that they did. I'm, I'm really glad that they did three movies of the Underworld series. I really am because I felt just doing one would have not been doing it justice enough. Mm. And there was still a story to be told after the first one. Yeah. Mm. Very good point. Very good point. And there's our last question, Nadine. Want to do the honors? Sure. This is from Axel Sinister. Great name, by the way. Werewolves are sometimes overlooked or seen as the stepchild to other supernatural beings. He's right. Why do you think they get so much limited hype? Because of the fact that beasts are animals and it's easier. They, it's, it's, I mean, it's a dog. It's, 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 a, it's origin is related to the canine. And dogs are supposed to be obedient. So it's easier to make them subservient, especially to a vampire, right? I don't recall wolves living forever, but I do know about the immortality of vampires. So I, I feel that they, it just reinforces the idea of man or humanity being more capable and capable of taming the beast. This is yeah. my observation. What do you think, Nadine? I think that um, it's easier to write a vampire story than it is a werewolf story. It is. I feel that you can make a werewolf story, you can make a vampire story with a, a lesser amount of effort, let's put it that way, than a werewolf story. I believe a werewolf story, there has to be, you have to make it more believable than a vampire story. You know, one of the series we didn't talk about, which I'm not crazy about at all, by the way, is the Twilight series where the vampires oh, and the werewolves. Yeah. And, you know, that was their take on it. I mean, kudos for the attempt. But in either case, I I feel that it's just more difficult to create uh, solid vampire stories, and I believe they're overlooked because of the difficulty of that. And I want to say I believe the same thing about witches. I don't think that they bring up witches enough either. I feel like vampires are the go-to only because it's so much easier. Mm. And folks, there you have it. Welcome to Friday Talk, and thank you for sharing and inspiring us to do what we enjoy so much, and that is talking about all things horrific and suspenseful. And we have a special treat for you. Coming on Wednesday on the 22nd, September 22nd, we're going to have a special show in lieu of the 24th. We're going to release it on the 22nd live, so we'll be on social media to remind you. And we're going to be talking about our one of our favorite series, American Horror Story, the Season 10 Doubleheader. Please join us that night. We'll post things on our social media. We hope that you'll comment and provide some reflections on the series. We're enjoying it very much, and we can't wait to hear what you have to say. Until, th- until that time, we say thank you and take care and enjoy the weekend. We're going to commemorate um, 9-11 is tomorrow. Yes, We want to yes, make sure absolutely. that we spend, send our love and, and support and to support, the families, absolutely. those who have gone yeah. on and those who still live with yeah. the reality. Take care and stay safe, everyone.